didn't think I was competent enough because I'm a female. Uh, I said, I said that. You, I said, look at this. I said some deeply ugly <laughs> things while you were out of the room. Yeah, deeply um, ugly. You are listening to Contesting Wrestling, the podcast where we talk about the things that fans love and most other people don't really get about the world's most prominent form of simulated combat. My name is Evan Burke. I'm a writer. I am somebody who is friends with my two co-hosts for many, many years, and yet I struggle to understand wrestling. I struggle to understand the choices they've made with their lives, and we're on a quest to figure it out. And then today... We also have our second ever guest and our first ever guest from another podcast. So this is a crossover episode, technically speaking. Danielle from the awesome Heel Marks podcast. Damn, I'm here. I'm here and I'm ready to talk about wrestling. I am Dr. Ben Abelson. I am a professor of philosophy at Mercy College and fancy myself a pro wrestling connoisseur. My name is Doc Diamondfire. I've been in professional wrestling for about 10 years. I've uh, been around. Um, I've done uh, wrestling. I've done commentating. I've done ring announcing. I've done stand-up interviews. I've played the music backstage at shows. I've done a little bit of everything, and uh, I'd like to lend my voice to somebody who's been on the inside to this podcast. And uh, yeah, so what are we talking about today, everybody? I, I don't really know how to describe what we're covering. Today started That's off- professional wrestling. And then, oh, okay. So this is a I, podcast- so strangely enough, the people that put it on are forbidden to call it professional wrestling. I think we've <laughs> spoken about that at some point. It comes up. It is. It's good. It's yeah. worth reflecting on, though. Right. You know. Early on in, in one of the lost episodes that the public will never hear, we did. We watched an episode or we watched a match between Sasha and Bailey. Yeah. So we wanted to talk about women's wrestling and we chose the match between Bailey and Sasha Banks at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 2015 as a really good example of some of the best wrestling involving women um, in recent years and really of all time, and as indicative of this sort of positive direction that pro wrestling is moving in when it comes to the representation of women. I was basically unaware, for the most part, that wrestling had female fans, not because of it being like, four dudes although it does read to me as being four dudes but also like because when there are women in wrestling it seems like it's a big fat fuck you to it like right it's like a big like even like when there are when there are female wrestlers who are really talented they still are expected to do like all this hair pulling fucking i don't know my whole conception of of it came from the 90s which is really bad so that's absolutely true up until just a few years ago well, yeah. So and there, there's still and some still. of it there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it still happens. Yeah. But so, it stopped being the absolute standard just a few years ago. So, uh, Daniel, how long have you how long have you been a wrestling fan? Oh, forever. I would say since I was at least four years old, I've been a wrestling fan. Oh, so was it what 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 drew you to wrestling? Andre the Giant. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I just thought he was this bigger than life person. And I'm like, he's real. And I remember my dad sitting with me and just being like, yep, that's a real person. And I'm like, Wow, and that was it for me. I just constantly watch wrestling from there. And it is. It's tough being a female fan in this world because it's always like, well, did your boyfriend get you into wrestling? Did your dad get you into wrestling? Like, what male in your life got you into wrestling? It's like, I just like watching wrestling. Or like, do you just think the wrestlers are hot? Or right, it's like always, that? well, yeah. oh, you love John Cena and Roman Reigns because they're hot. It's like, yeah, they're hot, but I actually like watching wrestling. You know, I'm somebody who's a big fan of video games and metal to communities that I think are just fine with women, and there's no misogyny in those 
whatsoever. <laughs> so this is a weird, unusual thing for me to encounter, <laughs> right. where a bunch of uh, nerds act like gatekeepers of some kind. I don't even know oh, yes, how. Yes, I don't even were. know if this makes sense. Interesting that there hasn't been like a WrestleGate. There hasn't been a huge backlash against the rehabilitation of women in wrestling. Well, I think there's a specific reason for that is that a lot of the male fans that stuck around after the Attitude Era and all of that wanted better women's wrestling. If what they wanted to see was like sexy women in little dress doing unspeakable things to each other, that's most of the rest of media. Like, I can find that if I want. Also, if I'm going to watch scantily clad women for my own enjoyment, I don't want two middle-aged dudes commenting over it, which often is what happens. Right. You know, you can so do your own commentary. I can do my own commentary <laughs> if I want, and that's my business. Right. But yeah, and whether I think you... the fan base wanted it in general, whereas the fan bases of some other things are very scared of it. <laughs> it's also just that kind of thing. It's also just boggled my mind, like whether you want to look at men or you want to look at women or whatever. If you want to look at them for reasons of arousal and and that sort of thing, there's so much porn. <laughs> right. Yeah. So right. You don't have to watch wrestling. I never understood why people were like, oh, do you watch this show? This The person on the show is so hot. And I'm like, I have a whole other compartment of my brain for watching hot. I don't understand. Right. We watched three matches for this episode. So we watched Sasha and Bailey, NXT TakeOver, Brooklyn 2015. That's right. And there it- was uh, Charmel and Jenna Maraska from TNA... Sometime in... It doesn't matter. TNA is a vortex of time and space where everything bad in the wrestling business goes to just churn and churn and churn. And then Danielle dug up... I can't remember now. It was Jackie... Jackie Gata. Gata. It was Jackie Gata. On on YouTube, it says that Jackie Gata match. It is Jackie Gata and Bradshaw versus Trish Stratus and Christopher Nowinski. Uh, Jackie Gata Thank you, because I went blank for a second. I'm Jack- like, I know. Gata and Nowinski? Gata and Nowinski, Gata I think, and against Nowinski. Stratus and, Stratus and, and JBL. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, like, usually oh, we watch, like, one good match and one bad match, but honestly, this one good match is longer than both of the bad matches combined. Right. And the bad matches are indicative of two very different reasons uh, why women's wrestling was disrespected for so long. Um and we'll get into it. So, you know, we watched Sasha Bailey. That was clearly a good match. I enjoyed that. Yes. We'll get into that in a minute. The Jenna Maraska match. I mean, TNA, as we have established in terms of ring sides, is two better than all other forms of wrestling. <laughs> so that is important. But in terms of everything else, it's clearly the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Just morally... Still not as bad as the clowns and kings, though. No, that's the worst. <laughs> that, that, was, that was 15 minutes oh, of my life. That's never coming back. Never. What was your thinking with the Trish Stratus match? Because I was, I found that really interesting thinking of it as that was your suggestion for a bad match, but I didn't know any of the other context. That's considered one of the worst matches. Like when you ask people, oh, what's a worst women's yeah. match? They're like, oh, that match. Because even in the comments, they're like, this is the worst match ever. And it's just, I remember as soon as I was thinking of matches, I remembered that with Brady, my co-host on Heel Marks, and I started watching it again, and all these bad memories came back, and I was like, no. this is garbage. I was like, it's embarrassing. Do you remember uh, what Jackie Gata did before they hired her? Not wrestling. I, it was Yeah, right? it was clearly not wrestling. It, yeah, it seems to be an example of, uh, you know, when this trend that happened in wrestling, largely, I think, because of Trish Stratus, where they would sign models or like sports models right. or whatever, and then try to train them to wrestle and put them on TV well before they had done enough of that. It was a big thing, yeah. It was a big thing of not having women who could actually wrestle. It was just for looks. Because it just worked yeah. with Trish the one time. Well, that was right. And then that became the model. 
she seems like she can wrestle. Yeah, yeah. It, I'm, I'm not going to say anything bad about Trish Stratus. She she rose to the occasion. Yeah. At this point of time, she was getting good. She hadn't become the ring general she would eventually become. Right. And everybody in the wrestling business said that about her at the time, was like, if any one of these models is going to make it, it's Trish Stratus, because she wants to do it. And she's always asking us, how do I do this better? How can I improve in the ring? How can I improve on TV? And then she did. And she clearly, but she clearly <laughs> in this match wasn't good enough yet to cover up for how bad Jackie was. Right. Two questions that I have here. It seems like both this match and to a different degree, the Jenna Maraska match, both had the problem that the person who is, I guess, the star is not good at wrestling. And then there are other people involved who are clearly actually good at this. Right. <laughs> yeah. Who are then asked, must be asked like, hey, so we're going to need you to not employ any of your skills or charisma in this match. Well, what they're asked to do is carry the person to a passable match. What I got watching Jackie Gata was she was like if she was a character on a sitcom that went to like a dance class, but it was the wrong dance class and it was much more advanced than she was. And then the instructor like, let's go, two, three, that everyone on screen starts doing a complicated synchronized dance. But she's standing there kind of shuffling back and forth, trying not to look like an idiot and then walks into one of the other people dancing and there's a laugh track. And that's what I got watching. <laughs> Jackie Gata in this right. match because Trish was trying so hard and like JBL and Nowinski were barely in the match they served their purpose they ran around the ring a couple of times and you know it's even worse with the other match because Awesome Kong and Sojo Bolt are just standing out there the whole match they're not even in the match and they yeah. just have to right. watch these two people who clearly are you know unprofessional and unskilled just it was very discouraging all over to each like other. good women's wrestlers of the day to see what the quality of the top jobs in the wrestling industry were. So I'm going to guess that there have always been women wrestlers who can wrestle, who are good yes. at right. it, right? That's always... Ha at what point were they like allowed to be good? It's gone back and forth over the years. The first ever women's wrestling star was a woman named Mildred Burke in like the 50s and 60s. And she was reportedly really good. I've seen like little clips of her matches where there is footage. Then things took a downturn, apparently, when the fabulous Moolah took over as the top women's wrestler. And you can watch Vice did this recent series, The Dark Side of the Ring, and there's an episode on Moolah. People claim that she was very abusive to the other women's wrestlers and pimped them out and stuff like that, and really kind of held women's wrestling down in a lot of ways for many years. Then um, from there... Japanese women's wrestling in the 90s was really good. Oh, well, actually, before that, in the 80s, when the WWF, you know, first really came to prominence and there was the big, the Hulk Hogan era and all that stuff, they really tried with women's wrestling for a little while. They had Wendy Richter, who was a big star, who beat Moolah for the title. Gloria Steinem, the uh, great feminist author and philosopher, was actually kind of into wrestling for a little while because of this, until she actually met Vince McMahon and company and realized they were horrible scumbags. Yeah, no, no, no. So then there was that, and then Wendy Richter had a falling out with WWF, which is chronicled in That's the a nice way to put it. episode. Then there was the whole dearth of women's wrestling until the 90s when it started getting big in Japan, and then WWF tried to like use that kind of Japanese-style wrestling, but it didn't really get over. And then we got to the late 90s, where there was another resurgence where all the bra and panties and evening gown matches and stuff like that was happening. And there, there were good women's wrestlers at that time, though. Um, but they were, there was sort of a balance there. There were, you'd usually have like two matches on a big card. One that was a TNA match. Um, and one that was an actual wrestling match. 
So, how, like, Daniel, like, how old how old were you at, uh, as a wrestling fan? Like, at what point in your wrestling fandom did you notice, like, wait a minute, like, there's a discrepancy in how good the matches are? I, I think the Attitude Era was really when it came to life for me. Mm. I was just like, oh, women just have to be sex symbols and they don't actually have to wrestle and they just walk around and just sh- shake their ass and... Did kind you like any? Aspect. Did you like any of the women's wrestling? In I was Lita. Lita was probably my uh. big one. Lita, China, obviously, but China, like they had to put her against men in order for her to be a good wrestler because she was so big, you know. Right, like right. like she wasn't. If she wrestled other women, it would still just be like, oh, she's the best women's wrestler. Right, whatever. exactly. Yeah, so, it wasn't yeah. like it wasn't like per se a cute blonde, sure. like little blonde that was wrestling and dominating it, people. It, and it's I worth do... bringing up that when China first came to prominence, there was no women's championship. Right, that's true. So wow. she, she would have, uh, yeah, the the women's championship. You know, the Lunder Blaze threw it in the garbage. Right, right. Uh, they tried with her. You know, she was not portrayed as a sex symbol she did the occasional bikini shoot but mostly she'd come out and just kick your ass um but yeah well she and they didn't reinstate the women's title until well after all of that because there was just not enough serious women's wrestling on their show it really was an incredible achievement of china to oh yeah absolutely no absolutely and still has not been matched in death she's more respected than she was the last 10 years of her life i mean she was very publicly a mess for a long time but but like you know. was she really that much more of a mess than a lot like there are a lot of wrestlers no. like the, I feel <laughs> no. like a lot of those guys are like oh, once again yeah. like we judge her so much more so much more harshly than other guys who like you know I don't know I th- were publicly I up. think with China China also had heartbreak in hers yeah. whereas people kind of do the sexist thing and they're like of course it was about Triple H of course she's crying about a man mm. so people are a lot harder on her because of that because he initially yeah. broke her heart yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for those who don't know the context uh, Triple H uh, one of the top wrestlers of the last twenty years who's married into the WWE family and is going to be running the thing pretty soon if not already to some degree um he dated once, china once somebody breaks vince's last horcrux then yes right right yeah. i just got that because i went to the harry Probably potter Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan broadway is play yesterday now i get it's that. good right oh it was, it was amazing yeah. Yeah. okay you i'm thinking, I'm thinking you cody has a shot he's huh? looking for him so Who? so cody's looking for him oh, you know i think hard. that's what this is all about is is trying to find vince's horcruxes that's and, yeah so so it. Triple H dated China when she first came in and then after they broke up that's when he started dating Stephanie McMahon Vince mm. McMahon's daughter and then strangely enough fairly soon after that China was on the outs with the company. Yeah. You know I, we'll we'll save this for the Vince episode or, or, but, or chi- even a China sh- episode one day. But we, uh, I just like I can't it's really an opera. It is some truly operatic oh, yeah shit like where is the, where is the movie about the McMahons where is the Lifetime series it's, where is the it's Netflix a soap series opera and it's been on television for the last 40 years but the thing is though alright because I don't think Vince is brave enough to actually put the real stuff out there because we watched the match where uh, where he fought God and he still couldn't he still had to be like the star in a way that like I don't know that was that we'll, match was a real we'll sorry. watch we'll watch the biopic they did on him and you're absolutely right. Yeah, yes, you're, you're absolutely, absolutely right. right. Yeah, he's not 
honest and yeah, you know, of course. Forthcoming. No, yeah. Vince is a thing. <laughs> the only yeah. the only person who could make a real thing about like you need to get like an assistant uh, who worked with Vince for years who now hates him because Vince fucking killed their family or something and like and now is, has turned against him and is ready to spill all of the shit because mm. there has got to be such darkness. Oh yeah, of there. course. It's gotta be. So let's get into the good man. So well, okay, Please. so a little more history, I guess. Um, women's wrestling at the end of the Attitude Era, it got even worse yeah. than the brawn panty yeah. stuff. Because at a certain point, they went PG and they couldn't even do that stuff. And then it was just they would hire models. It needs models. to be sexy, but for kids. Right. Exactly. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so they uh. do this diva search where they would just have a, like a reality show with these models who weren't trained to wrestle most of them. And then they'd you know pick one, but then they'd hire a whole bunch of them. And the and the the women's title became the divas title, and it was this giant butterfly oh, that looked like a Barbie accessory. Worst. I think oh. specifically it looked like a Brat style accessory. So worse yes. more than a Barbie. It definitely looked, it looked like a toy. It looked like a toy. Wearing something like that. The right. Brat styles. Were, yeah. what, was this an effort to start marketing to young women? Definitely. And girls? Absolutely. Like, was that, yeah. yeah. And it was just Vince being like, I don't know, uh, make it pink. Uh, yeah, sure. probably. Like, completely. Probably. Then at some point, a couple of different things happened. One thing that happened was women's MMA started to get really big mm, all of yeah. a sudden with right. Ronda Rousey. And then the WWE hired, or they were about to hire, I think one person in particular, Charlotte Flair, the daughter of Ric Flair, who had just had this incredible athletic background. And I think because of her they decided, all right, we need a whole generation of really good women's wrestlers around her. And they hired Sarah Amato, who is the best women's wrestler on the indies, just to be a coach and to train this whole new generation of wrestlers. At the same time, they started the e-reality show Total Divas and started bringing in this whole different fan base who was into that. Oh, yeah. Um, and so the all these things, this was sort of this perfect storm that then led to the kind of women's revolution right. or renaissance. Right, because a lot of women, women that I know, they're like, oh, I love the Bella Twins. Oh, I love it because they watch Total Divas. They don't know mm. anything about wrestling, but they know the Bella Twins. They know uh, they know Lana. They know like all the page. They know these. And they're like, oh, I love them so much yeah, because yeah. they watch Total Divas. They don't know storyline. And I'm like, yeah, but they're terrible wrestlers. Oh, it doesn't matter. I love them. And I'm like... This is what's happening right now. I had a very traumatic experience in childhood where I loved the Babysitter's Club right. novels and then went to camp and learned that that is not an acceptable thing for a boy to be doing. Was there a point where you heartbreakingly realized that wrestling is so male-coded? Right. Um. I mean, I like all boy stuff, I feel, sure, like sure. football and comics. I liked all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I grew up with two older brothers, so I was always around guy stuff um it was a little disheartening when i finally wanted to look up to a woman in a way when i was watching wrestling that yeah. there wasn't really anybody i could look up to so i was just like i kind of sided with the boys and i was like up oh, the women's matches are on this is my piss break you yeah, know yeah, yeah. and it became that and then i just started enjoying the male wrestlers more and i wouldn't even think twice about the female wrestlers who for you was the first female wrestler that was out there fucking kicking ass I gotta say Lita. Lita yeah. Lita was definitely one. With Trish, I was kind of, I'm always that person that's like, no, I can't like the one everybody else likes. Sure, so sure. everybody liked Trish, so I was like, no, I like Lita. Yeah, so Lita, Lita, there Lita was a big one. Lita was spectacular. Yeah, too. She no, did all absolutely. These high flying moves and yeah. I do have a memory from back in the day being over at your place and you guys were watching wrestling and I and there was a match with Lita and the Hardys, I think. Yep. yep. 
and I remember even at that time being like, oh, that was pretty fucking cool. Like she like <laughs> flipped off a ladder and did a thing. She came up the right way too. She moved to Mexico as like a teenager and mm-hmm. trained in Lucha Libre. <laughs> Luchas, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. came up to the And she was right. kind of like a badass coming in. She wasn't like this yeah. pretty, pretty sure. blonde or like model as she kind of wore baggy pants, kind of tomboyish. And it was it was someone that I like kind of looked up to because of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this, it seems like it took them a while to figure out the way to make women's wrestling good is to just let them do all the shit that they want to do. Right. So right? Like, apparently, I'm... until recently, it was understood among the women they were told not to wrestle like the men. Not to hit oh, each yeah. other hard, yeah. like to pull each other's hair, like you were saying, and you know, it's a big hair pulling thing. All the stuff, the hair pulling, and like the quote-unquote girly fighting. If that was just also in the men's matches, that would be totally fine. Like it would like, make right. sense. Yeah, if the Completely. Big Show and the Undertaker were like tweaking each other's nipples and like pulling yeah. pulling their hair, I mean, like stop at the Undertaker. That would be great. <laughs> I would be. 100% on board with that. Or like Kane touching Undertaker's crotch and then licking his fingers like right, Mickey did right. to Trish. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, people love yeah. that. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, and if the commentators <laughs> cut that out of every replay. Oh, they do. They cut oh, it out yeah. of it. Yeah. But I saw it. <laughs> but, you know, I think in the last 10 years in media in general, in comic books and other places, there has, you know, been this push for inclusiveness and diversity. But also, you know, on the part of these giant corporations, they found that they could have a broader audience they could sell this stuff to more people yeah if they appealed to them you know well that's uh, i was really blown away by um i can't remember which match it was i guess it must have been the jackie gated match but there was one one of the matches where um jerry lawler was commenting puppies jesus Jesus Christ! <laughs> just the like, like the whole match, just like, oh yeah, I'd love to crawl up in in those oh, yeah. cheeks. That like, was his that's... whole shtick for and like just a like, decade. No. Which once again, if he was just like, oh Rob Van Dam, I want to slide down <laughs> your sack there, bro. Like I would be in. That would be no. Actually, that would still be terrible. Have you that seen Rob Van Dam's ass? Come on, I mean, it is. <laughs> that's, I, that's, that's a nice he, ass. <laughs> and remember he to Google. Jerry Lawler allegations. <laughs> oh yeah, you gotta oh, Google God. that. <laughs> the list, the list of people who I have to Google their name and allegations. Oh, we keep we telling you Jerry Lawler. Yeah, dude, yeah. Jerry oh, Lawler, God. number one. Oh yeah. God, I'm they so just scared. got rid of him finally from TV. Yeah, they'll use him on. They'll use him on the um, the pre-show panel, but like, yeah, not regularly on television. Yeah, because uh-huh. he's stuck in you know back then where he thinks he can say things that he can't say anymore. (laughs) You you evolve or you get pushed out of the way. Right. And it is just amazing to imagine, like imagine a world that wasn't so long ago where that was just acceptable. Where like the the commentator just sitting there and Jerry Lawler's talking about the grossest shit. And it's, Oh, I'm going to snack on her marshmallow pies. And also think about the timeline a little bit. WrestleMania 29, which Danielle and I, I think we're both at. Yeah, we were both at at MetLife stadium. Um, there was one match with women on the card. Uh, it was like an eight man, ta- eight woman tag. Yeah. Um, and it got cut yeah. for time because the other matches went long. So the one match with women got cut on WrestleMania 29. Yeah. This year at WrestleMania 35. Yeah, they're only branding it as WrestleMania. So. 35. Um, they had three women's matches. I, think. I believe so. They had the the tag. No, they had that, the tag. Yeah, they had the tag, the SmackDown Down title, and the Raw title, and the the actual main event of WrestleMania was the Raw Women's title. Did they also have the Battle Royal? And they had the Battle Royal. Yeah. Battle um. Royal also. Oh, so four. 
Yeah, in, there, there, on the entire card. SummerSlam this year also. Wait, who was the? What was the third one? The two, the two women's title matches. No, the two women's titles was, was well, one because that was Becky. Oh, so yeah, there was just three then. It was three then. Yeah. Okay, but still then. three. Yeah. I mean, it's unless there's a match we're missing. It's it's at least progress. And then, like I said, there's four at SummerSlam this year, and none of them were cheesecake shows. Once again, like yeah, that's by the way, Jerry Lawler is what I'm talking about. When I'm like, even if you're trying to watch it as a cheesecake show, do you want to hear some old man slobbering all over them at the same time? Uh, like, no. Can we just back up and define a cheesecake show? Oh, like uh, cheesecake is an old term for like women in little clothing kind of smiling at you like posters with a. Uh, cool. You ever heard that term before? Pin-up I, stuff. I somehow I heard it. Stuff, I've, yeah. I've somehow only heard it. I think it's a term from this? the 50s. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. Term. Speaking of the 50s, if you ever, if you go to like his YouTube channel called Chicago Film Archives, you can see a lot of great wrestling from the 50s and they have women's matches. And the, the, the commentator is not leering at the women. He's just condescending at them. He's just like, huh. These girls are going to have to go home tonight and cook dinner, I tell you. Yeah. And it's like, I'm honestly not sure which is worse. <laughs> I don't know either. Well, yeah. I just, the lowered expectations versus um, yeah, just yeah. being fucking gross. So that brings us to the match. It was at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 2015. It was oh, the yeah. first of four NXT TakeOver Brooklyn's four years in a row. And it was the match between Bailey and Sasha was billed as a co-main event. Correct. Um, and if you watch the whole segment that we chose, it's a uh, 105 to 140 on uh, TakeOver Brooklyn 2015. On it the WWE Network. On the WWE Network. We're not advertising for them, but we will take their yeah, money if I, they want us to. I, I joined. I friggin' stopped using yeah, Ben's thing, and I joined. Oh, I was so like, I could give you a bunch of them. That. I don't That's, use yeah. my own. <laughs> I use a friend. I use an ex-boyfriend. So. so it starts out with a shot of the crowd, and you have Ric Flair, Sergeant Slaughter, and a woman who they call Kana at the time, who is now known as Asuka, who was sort of the first big hiring of the women's division in NXT. And NXT is, uh, for those who don't know, is the developmental territory for the WWE. It's their developmental system. But it's also become kind of their own indies, their own alternative product um, that a lot of wrestling fans... A lot of wrestling fans don't like WWE but love NXT. Yeah, a lot. And NXT, I think, really is the cutting edge of pro, of artistic pro wrestling. You know that makes sense. Ways, it did. Yes. It did have. A, it had a bit more of like an indie vibe Absolutely. to it. Like, and had a little bit more. The crowd seemed a little more. I don't know. Connected with the audience, they seemed a little more. There, there seemed to be more almost communication between the wrestlers and the audience. Like well, with the NXT wrestlers, a lot of them came from indies, like. Sure. Recent, so Kevin Owens, Kevin Steen, El Generico, all these guys came from Tyler Black, who's Seth Rollins. You know, all these guys came from NXT. I mean, came from the Indies and went to NXT. So it was like their little upgrade of an of an indie show. And you'll see the future of WWE in X in NXT. Right, like it sort of trickles up yeah. into the WWE to some degree. Though a lot of fans yeah. complain that their favorite wrestlers on NXT go up to the main roster and get misused or not used at all. But it really is this sort of crucible for new ideas and stuff like that. And so that's where the the seeds of the 
change in women's wrestling were sown was in NXT. So that's a place where fans can learn about new wrestlers and get excited and then yeah. get right. really disappointed as they see those wrestlers <laughs> exactly. move on to the WWE where they get crushed under the, the machine of ratings. Oh, yeah, it's your favorite exactly. band signing with a major label and they yeah. put out their first major album. It's like, man, they got money. They got the orchestra on this track. It's cool. They're going to do a big tour and then they release a few more albums and then it's... But Man, it, it was an incredibly... This, they used to be cool. What happened? Yeah. It was an incredibly brilliant strategy by the WWE to do this. Because there were always fans who, like, you know, liked the indies and, you know, felt that there was this sort of... There were these renegades against the WWE. And then the WWE just created their own thing like that that they still own. It's still a major yeah. label. The money's still all going to them. You can chant NXT all you want. Yeah. Vince is still freaking laughing his way to the bank. And, f- and for the most part, NXT is run by Triple H. So that's a big thing because it's a wrestler who kind of knows the business and has been around for a while. And people who don't follow wrestling know who Triple H is. And he's not a 70-year-old man. And he's not, well, yeah, I was he's say, not an out-of-touch 70-year-old man. Is, is, uh, is Triple H better at this than Vince? Much better. Apparently. Yeah, yeah, Appa- yeah, apparently, Well, yeah. you know, to be really fair about it, Vince has his strengths and his weaknesses. Vince's biggest problem is that he's out of touch because he's been doing it for so long. Right. He has nothing to prove to anybody. Uh, Triple H still does in this. You know, he, he got the top of the wrestling world. Now it's up to him to show people that he can also run a wrestling league that'll get over, that'll fill the arenas. Did you also... That's that's a really good it's a good message, I think, for everybody to always still have a little something left to prove. Don't yeah. get don't get to a point where you don't have to prove anything to anybody anymore because then you're just gonna stagnate and become a monster and well, don't be Vince McMahon. Vince still wants to take on the NFL. That's what is in his sights. He's gonna try to do the XFL again. Wait, oh yeah, what? That's, yeah. Yeah, really? that's his yeah, real dream. That's happening. That's because, real. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I remember the XFL happening. Yes. And wasn't the problem with it? I know even I know far less about football than I know about <laughs> wrestling. What wasn't the problem with it that all the guys in the XFL were just the guys who weren't good enough to be in the NFL? So it was just like watching more boring football with fewer well, rules. There were a lot of reasons why the XFL failed. That was one of them. Maybe if the teams weren't put together six weeks before they first hit the gridiron, they would have been able to get better together. This XFL is going to be very different. It's going to be 20 years forward. And the NFL does things that the XFL first did that they were laughed at for, like getting the cameras really close to the players and in the locker rooms. At the time, it was like, you can't do that. Well, now people want to do that. I mean, isn't there also the problem that American football is going to be dead in 20 years because already we're seeing massive declines in high school football participation because parents are like my kid shouldn't have concussions all the time by the way that guy chris nowinski who is in one of those bad matches the Mm -hmm. one who was teaming with jackie gata okay he went to harvard he was the first ever and i think they mentioned that on commentary he was the first and only ever harvard graduate in the wwe and uh but he had to retire less than a year into his time in WWE because of all the concussions he had sustained playing football for Harvard. Boxing used to be the most popular sport in America. And then yeah. and then in like 1917, some doctor was like, wait a minute, getting punched in the face is bad for you. And, and it revolutionized <laughs> oh, it? every. It took World War well, One for us to learn that. There's guys. more. A lot of people. There's died more to Nowinski, that. though. Like Nowinski then using his education and intelligence kind of started the scientific foundation into studying what concussions do to the brain that has caused all of the people across the country and around huh. the world to learn about wow. this. Yeah, his and, book. Uh, and you know, the WWE got got on first they hated it, 
Then they got on board with him way before the NFL did. And it's like if you watch the WWE now versus the WWE 10 years ago, there's like 10% of the head drama. Now when guys are injured, they're immediately taken off the road until they're better. No more unprotected chair shots to the head. Right. If you do just a straight up swinging (laughs) unprotected chair shot to the head, you're fired. Period. Get out. We don't want that here. Yeah, Cody, the AEW did one and the crowd had a mixed reaction. Like on the one hand, it's like, oh, violence. On the other hand, it's like, no, we know what the deal is here. Maybe you don't do that. Didn't yeah. help that it messed it up and the lip of the chair tore his head yeah, open. So, one more thing on the, on the NXT thing. You know, as much as it's like, oh, yeah, Triple H, you know, he's not out, as out of touch as Vince and all that stuff. This is wrestling. All of this can be to some degree just them setting it up for it to be Triple H versus Vince for control of the company one day. And it's like, oh, yeah, Triple H is the cool one who does all the stuff that the fans like, so he'll be the babyface. I'll watch that. Me too. Wouldn't you watch that? Yeah, I'd watch it. Wow. We will be. I mean, that is is some real... In in some ways, the McMahons are the ultimate artists. Like, there is no boundary... Between it is their two. universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's their, it's their life. It's everything. There is no. I, I'm sure they get to the point where they are confused about what is real and what is not real in their own lives. I, I read an interview with Vince McMahon once in some mainstream publication, and the person was just wondering at how, when talking about himself and talking about his wrestling character, he would seamlessly be talking about Vince McMahon and Mr. McMahon, the character, not quite interchangeably. Cool. That's a real healthy with a real, way to live like, your life. Uh, so, okay, so back to the, the match. So um, we get the shot of Kana with uh, Sergeant Slaughter and Ric Flair, which is kind of a big deal that she's standing next to these two Hall of Famers. Then we get Stephanie McMahon coming out and giving this really condescending speech about how the women deserve the spot that they're in now. But she's not actually saying the women. They're still saying divas at this point. So it it wasn't to the they hadn't gotten to the point where they realized that that was a really like patronizing term. And then they, they earned the right to be called women. WrestleMania 32. Exactly. WrestleMania 32, they stopped and they were like, you'll no longer be divas, you'll be superstars. Yeah. It's like, thank God. <laughs> Is it the speech that she comes out and gives at the beginning? Yes. yes. Which had yeah. a real... I like glazed over very quickly when she started talking just because it had an energy that reminded me from a lifetime of working in retail of the manager pulling everyone in and being like, guys, just remember the break room is for when you're on a break, okay? <laughs> you can't be in there when you're on the clock. She has cultivated that character, that exact attitude yeah. over many yeah. years, many and it's made years. her one of the biggest heels in the industry. I, I She's mean, very Vince-like, you know? Because everyone thought that, like, oh, Shane McMahon's going to take over the company. Vince ran the company. Vince's father ran the company. Vince's father's father ran the company. And then Shane was like, I'm going to go do my own thing. And Shane- Stephanie's like, nah, nah, me. I'm going to marry the big wrestler, and we're taking over. And Vince is like, yep. Shane McMahon that. looks like... A man who has released at least one hip hop album in his life. <laughs> Not yet, but yeah. I can see it. He looks like he's he looks, he looks like somebody who if you talk to him for more than a few minutes, he will tell you about his SoundCloud. Yeah. Yeah. But That's WWE really good actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. (laughs) But yeah, WWE has made sure that Stephanie's face is on every step of this women's revolution or whatever. So that that she can claim ownership, that a McMahon can claim ownership of all of it, despite the fact that it's their fault that they were in the position that they're coming out of to begin with. So why 
is this match such a big deal? This was the first really big main event involving the women in a very long time. And the first one that was purely these two are good and they want to win the championship because they're good. Not I'm hotter than you, not you stole my boyfriend, not we're women so we all just don't like each other. It was more that everybody knew that despite the fact that they talked mad trash that they did like each other, but they were competitors and they wanted to be champions so they fought for the title. Also, while Sasha Banks is Snoop Dogg's cousin, she is, um, yes. And but unlike her and Charlotte, who's also like this legacy wrestler, Ric Flair's daughter, Bailey was a purely homegrown character and Absolutely. talent yeah. who's not really sexy. I'm She's sure if she put on a bikini and a lot of makeup and posed with like her butt in your face. You'd be like, yeah, she's sexy. But that's not the point the of the char- character. Exactly. Right, it's not, it's the not point. how they present her. That's not how she presents herself. Right. There's nothing wrong so with more, it's sexy, more that It's more that she is the... You f- want to have to want to be sexy first. She's she's definitely a character that you want to root for. She's yes. sweet. She's bubbly. Kids love her. She had a she has a girl that follows her. Uh, Izzy. Izzy. Izzy, Izzy, Izzy right. Dress up yeah, like she's her. She's always business. in the front. Yeah, she's always in the front of the crowd. She runs out and hugs her. She's like this kind of John Cena as caricature yeah. that people love and are drawn to. It's little all, girls it's go like crazy girls for Bailey. It's almost like she is the first female character that is allowed to just be a character or to be a right. character yeah. that right. is right. completely... Like she had a character. That, does not, that, is, that doesn't have to have sex appeal be a part of her. Right. She can be right, a character exactly. like The Undertaker. I mean, or, her, yeah. her one of her finishers is her... Um, she hugs you. Like, her shirt yeah. say, I'm a hugger. Like, right. she's just all about hugging and positivity and all this stuff. She is anti-edgy. Yeah. Like, she right. is the Bubbly, least yeah. edgy person i've ever met is the word the kids are there we go there we go that's what it is yeah and to me the idea that a character like that got over as much as she did and that the people were so excited for her really speaks to a dramatic change in the wrestling fan base that they're able to accept a pure baby face like that who's just yeah who's all about uh, as danielle said positivity and love and not hatred and angst and violence and a wrestling fan she's a super wrestling fan loves always talks about how much she loves wrestling how she grew up always wanting to be a wrestler and she's someone girl little girls could look up to and people even myself could look up to their match did seem to have as much heft to it as these other like long storylines with male characters i will say even though they refer to the four horsewomen i forgot about it and i spent the whole match trying to figure out why a guy in the audience had a big sign that said horsewoman on it and i was like what is he is he saying one of them looks like a horse is he i don't i'm really confused the whole story there is bailey being bullied by Sasha and the other horsewomen and then, you know, and, and losing to all of them, but then working really hard and coming back yeah. and like finally overcoming. Um, Who doesn't love an underdog story? Well, exactly. <laughs> Rudy, you know, we were all cheering Bailey at one point because everybody yeah. loved it. It's like the Rudy story. I think the crowd was sort of divided at the beginning of the match, but one of the great things about it is it, by the end, everyone wanted to see Bailey win. Right. They know that the commentators play an important role usually, right? Yes. And they're kind of like in, in dictating the the vibe of a match to some degree or something. But it was the first time that I noticed like they really had to be like scared and intimidated by Sasha. Like they would be to The Undertaker. Yeah, exactly. Which, and, and I feel like I noticed that. I don't know if I'm just becoming more savvy or if they make more of an effort to do subtle like th- stuff like that in NXT than they do in WWE. There is a stylistic difference in the commentary between NXT and the WWE, and a big part of it is that Vince is not producing the commentary on NXT. 
it's much more like traditional pro wrestling commentary than what you get on Monday Night Raw these days, which is just them like plugging Twitter half the time. Or like just... making fun of each other. Right, right, right. They make bickering. fun of each other a lot, yeah. yeah. Instead of just concentrating on what's going on. It's like, yeah, you ever see real sports on television and the commentators? Like, screw you, Ed. It's like, no, it never happens. No, There's yeah. no reason no. for it. It's a hostile work environment. Right. right. Even in the, like, 80s when they would have the heel commentator and the face commentator and that was it, they would still only occasionally, like, truly insult each other. It would be more like the baby face commentator trying to get the heel commentator in line so they can call this match. Oh, yeah. I remember when it started, it was fun, when it was just like JBL and Cole, like yeah, ta- yeah. occasionally taking a jab at each other. But WWE seemed to be like, oh, that is what we want all the time, which is a lot of what they do. They take something that's cool and then they just fucking beat you over the head oh, with it until you're completely ground. sick of it. Yeah. And his name is John Cena is the perfect example. That <laughs> whole meme of it's they ran uh, that into the ground. <laughs> the WWE will just ride shit for so long mm-hmm. like i uh in in preparation for this podcast i listened to an episode of heel marks that mostly seemed like gibberish to me i'm still trying Aww. to understand all of this <laughs> no no but it was great but it, very fast. It, it, well, no 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 not no no it, the, the delivery was great i meant it was just if you are listening to this and you are somebody who knows about wrestling you should absolutely listen to this podcast i was Thank lost because I, I still don't fucking know what i'm talking about but it blew my mind that that uh, was like two or three episodes ago. I think it was 151. Mm-hmm. And then you're talking about how Goldberg sucks and is coming back. And then this, and I'm like, oh, I know this. I, right. I, I also know that Goldberg sucks. I have learned this about wrestling. And right. the match that we watched where he sucks was like fucking 15 years old or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? And we watched still... Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar from WrestleMania 20. Uh, right, right. Yeah, where they do nothing for 20 minutes and then Steve Austin wins. I've I've mentioned <laughs> the nobodies before, and one of them, this guy, uh, Eric Shorey, who uh, goes by DJ Accident Report, he actually just came out with uh, an article. I haven't read it yet. I just saw the headline about and like the little blurb about how WWE really has to stop relying on all these old stars and like what are they going to do when they run out of 50 year olds to trot out for their big shows I'm sure they asked Shawn Michaels hey you want to have a match with Dolph Ziggler and I'm sure Shawn Michaels said no wait are you going to pay me seven figures for it and they were like no and he's like no I don't want to have a match with Dolph Ziggler only the Saudis well I also think a big thing is wrestling fans maybe I would say casual wrestling fans are very much obsessed with nostalgia and it's like Goldberg back I need to see Undertaker I need to see Triple H let's see Triple H and Batista at Wrestlemania no I don't want to see Triple H and Batista at Wrestlemania I don't want Kevin Owens off the card because I need to have this match because if you think about it since wrestlemania 31 triple h has had the longest match on wrestlemania since 31 like that's ridiculous i think 30 now that i'm thinking about it it actually might go further but he always has the longest match and it's like triple h i I love you for nxt but like i don't need to see you or goldberg or Kurt, kurt angle you guys did your stuff like let these new guys shine through it's and it's just it's never is good like our, I don't know what is wrong with our generation right. that we can't do that. It's the new the reboots not going to be as good because it might technically be a perfectly fine thing, but you know what? Your memory of it is so bound up with your youth. Of course, with all of this, like it's not going to be the fucking same, and especially it's not going to be the same if they're twenty years older and they can do less shit. 
Yeah, it's not like Chris Jericho, who's been wrestling this whole time and has taken a year off here and there to heal his body and has largely stayed injury-free and on top of everything. And has reinvented his character re- yeah, every couple of years. Absolutely reinvented, yeah. Right. I did not realize he was still around. He was, oh, he's Chris. the guy, he had, like, the, he had the, the, the fucking Fozzie. metal band. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They had their first actual hit about two years ago. Yeah. And that became a, a hit across Europe. I saw them in June. It's called Judas. It's not bad. I don't it's know if you'd bad. like it, but it's not bad. He's a little, he's a very good front man for obvious reasons right. sure. he's a wrestler but you didn't say the word singer yeah no no, no. He's, a, he's, a, he's an excellent front man i remember when okay we metal singer. i remember okay. i remember uh doc when we saw them years yeah. and years ago Many years it ago. was great because they kept his uh his mic like fairly low in the mix yeah. and everyone there knew all the words to all the songs because they were all classic metal it covers was, they were still so it really didn't band. matter well, they were still yeah. a cover band that's band. funny yeah, yeah. Um, Singing but, TNT and, and stuff. Chris Jericho, <laughs> all things considered, may be the greatest professional wrestler of all time. I mean, if you really want to sit down and look at it year for year, like he's still, he's going to main event the the next big AEW show. That's his latest reinvention is that he left the WWE and now he's the old guy who can still go that AEW has hired. They're not hiring 15 of them, just Chris Jericho. And that's okay. And that's fine. And he may be the first champion. By, by the time this airs, he might already be the first champion. I, I would guess he would be. Then then the task is somebody can beat him. And then they and pass somebody. the torch. Yeah, then they've beaten somebody you know about and you care about. And like, That's uh, how you use the old guys. You don't have two of them have a 20-minute match on WrestleMania. Or have, like, Goldberg fight Dolph Ziggler, and it's like, but... Who's elevating who? Like, you're, nobody's elevating anybody. You bring yeah. an older guy back to pass it, like Trish and Charlotte, like passing the torch. I'd like to see, uh, like, if Triple H is going to wrestle at WrestleMania, maybe he should just do tag matches with the younger guys. He can lend his name to it. Mitsuharu Misawa did that for years after he couldn't really go anymore. He'd be in six mans, you Triple know? Triple H, um, Stephanie, and Ronda yeah. and Kurt were fine. Sure. It was fun. Like, it was like go. a That fun was one match. of the better matches at Mania. It was like a record. fun yeah, match. Yeah. Do you think it's that Vince thinks that the nostalgia sells? Do you think it's that Vince is afraid of change? Well, why do you think yes. it is? Because this yeah, also, yeah, yeah. This also seems above. like a business where the wrestlers don't really want to. You don't really want to keep doing this forever, right? Even if you love it, like Vince, it's, it's, it's hard to let go. It's hard to let go. You get yeah. I, as far as the wrestlers talk about it, they get addicted to the pop. They get addicted to being in front of the crowd. They don't want to give up a lot of them. And, and Vince doesn't understand like younger people. At some point, like happens to a lot of people, he just stopped understanding how. He doesn't understand why the guys don't just take the top spots in a ruthless fashion anymore like they did when he was younger. I think it's a deeper problem than that, though, which is that they don't want people to become that big. They learned, uh, and this actually goes back to the other episode we had where Brock Lesnar left in 2004 after they had put everything behind him. They don't want anyone to get bigger than them. They mm. want to be interchangeable. They don't want to get to the point where someone is so popular and so powerful that they can go somewhere else and bring all their fans with like, them. Like, do you think Vince just watches the Fast and Furious movies and, like, just can't handle that he's not getting a cut of The Rock's paychecks? Yeah, John yeah. Cena's going to be in the next one. Uh, you know, yeah. somebody explained to me that apparently yeah. it was a very hurtful thing that The Rock and Jason Statham did to the rest of the Fast and Furious family. Yeah, yeah, apparently. Oh, I haven't seen it. They have been, uh, they apparently, like, uh, they had all been making the movies together forever, and then The Rock and Jason Statham were like, we're going to go 
make the sequel and make a lot of money because obviously any who doesn't want to see that movie i don't even really watch those movies and I who, who doesn't want to watch those movies. two guys have problems with each other i'm sure it's very entertaining but, uh, um but apparently there was a big yeah there was a big I, problem I and thought... then they spitefully got john cena to replace the rock <laughs> I thought it was something about The Rock and Vin Diesel not getting along. I don't know. Somebody well, yeah, told Vin me. Vin Diesel was someone else in the Fast and the Furious movies. You know Vince wants to book that match. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Vin Diesel is an avid D&D player. You're welcome. Yep. And he has it tattooed on his arm. Yeah. Like, I, I, I always find that's a fun fact. I th- yeah, he said, I remember reading something. <laughs> we were talking about his, like, he's got a character that he played forever that he made a movie that like five people saw a few years ago but he made a movie that was his D&D character that's great that sounds amazing i didn't know that it's i he, i all i remember i remember he had a fucking robe and it was like a it was like a fantasy cgi thing and it was in theaters amazing. for 2 days <laughs> and sounds amazing it was fucking gone you're going to have to find this and then people were like vin what the hell was that movie and he was like it's my D&D character and yeah loves D&D so a couple of things i liked about the actual bailey versus sasha <laughs> match yes thank you ben <laughs> It's good. This is good. Normally, this is my job. See, you're stepping up. In case I die, somebody needs to be on top of this podcast. So there was a lot of cool. There were there were a lot of cool innovative moves in the match. What I liked the most about it was Sasha Banks' ruthlessness, uh, working on Bailey's hand. Oh, yes. me too. So yeah. Bailey comes in with the injured hand. She's got the Dusty Rhodes uh, tape, uh, polka dot tape around her hands because Dusty Rhodes had just died recently, and he had a huge part in developing a lot of the NXT characters early on, uh, especially Bailey. So one day she comes out with a ponytail. And and she says that that Dusty came up to her in the back and said, um, you you always wear the ponytail now. You're the ponytail girl. And that established her character. Like, that was it. From then on, she was the ponytail girl. She, like, kind of pulls it, the ends of it to the side for her comeback right before she does her big move. With that Dusty Rhodes tape on her hands, Sasha comes after the hand. She smashes it between the stairs. My favorite moment in the match is Sasha has Bailey in the bank statement, her uh, finishing uh, submission hold, and Bailey's reaching for the ropes with her hand, and Sasha just viciously oh, stomps so on the hand to keep her from getting to the ropes. So good, yeah. And and then they roll over in a in a nod to the Chris Benoit Triple H Shawn Michaels. Main event from WrestleMania Never 20. Not think of that. Um, yeah. uh, so Bailey gets the bank statement on Sasha, and then they move towards the finish, which we can talk about in a minute. Was her hand actually injured at the time? I mean, obviously, I'm sure that it wasn't like that she wasn't actually hurting. I think it, it was, was there injured. Any reality to that? I think it was injured before that, but then obviously it got better, and then I think they just yeah. worked on it a little bit because obviously she can't be stomping on her hand. Well, yeah, yeah, but I didn't, I think, I didn't she, think that she. I was, think it was previously injured, but it was healed by that time, and they were just were they were just using it as yeah. you know a plot point. Yeah, they do that a lot, and then because yeah. because I'm also always trying to figure out how much of their beef is real and how much. How much is oh, that? They love each other. They're best okay. friends in yeah, real yeah. life. Okay, cool. Yeah, they're best friends. Because there have been there have been examples of that previously, right? Where they're like, where two people don't like each other in real life, and people and the audience sort of knows about that, well, and then they like. Put well, Chris Benoit other. and Kevin Sullivan, because Chris Benoit was in the process of stealing Kevin Sullivan's wife. Um, uh, who was managing? I mean, yeah. we're feuding in WCW and would just go out there and beat the crap out of each other for real every night. I mean, going to bringing women back and utilizing them Lita was dating Matt Hardy for a while mm. then cheated on him with Edge and then they right. made that a storyline and it's like that's not awkward at all man imagine that meeting <laughs> imagine right. you call, you get called in you sit down you're already like oh shit like Matt 
mats here and edges here. Like, <laughs> this is going to be weird. And then they're like, guess what? Guess what we're going to do this time? This is my Vince. You're going to be a floozy. Yeah. Yeah. I know Vince doesn't sound I'm like gonna this. I'm going to love it. But <laughs> I, still, I just, I, Vince probably doesn't smoke, but I still just see a big cigar in his mouth. Like, oh, this is what we're going to do now. Um, it's the kind of thing where they all protest it until one of Vince's assistants slowly opens the briefcase full of money on the desk, and then yeah. everybody shuts up and does their job and empties that suitcase. Oh, man, yeah. And, I, you know, how much money would it take for me to, you yeah. know— Spill right. spill my business out to the world. Right. Probably less than uh, probably less than he'd pay if yeah. he can make more off of you with it. I'm sure I've revealed a lot more about myself than I'm comfortable with just on this podcast, there and we've <laughs> been and we've made negative seven hundred dollars on this so right. far. So, uh, so uh, I think the biggest pop of the match, besides the finish, right, uh, right. is the big uh, reverse Rana off the top rope. Yeah. Oh, my favorite. And it's a beautiful move, and it's a move that I don't think had been seen on any WWE programming by any gender up to that point. Uh, yeah, so the yeah, fact that so, they yeah. were doing it, going back to the yeah. point about them being told not to wrestle by like the men and not to like do big spots and stuff, just the fact that they did that huge spot meant a lot, and the crowd went nuts for it. I mean, they both seem like they're really good on a technical level. Yes, right. right? Like well, being the four horsewomen, those four women kind of they say revolutionized like and made women's wrestling a big thing. I mean, mm. I go to like, I beg to differ that like the Emma and page match that people talk about. That was yeah, the first yeah. time it was like, Oh, women are wrestling now. That's a thing. What's that match? So the uh, page, what was it? Was it for number one contender? Was or that was it the, for the belt? first takeover? It might have been the first takeover. It, it was Emma and Paige. It was before NXT had gotten quite yeah, the buzz quite as that big. it got, so it, it wasn't nearly as high profile of a match, but it, it really kind of started the whole thing off. Yeah, yeah, so they had a match, and it was a phenomenal match that people kept talking about, and they were like, wow, women are wrestling now. And then kind of Bailey, Becky, Sasha, and Charlotte were like, all right, we don't want to do bra and panties. We want to actually wrestle. We don't want our stuff cut, so we're just going to be kick-ass wrestlers, and no one's going to be able to ignore us. Yeah, Paige was kind of the prototype for yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, and then she went up and won the Divas title while she was still the NXT Women's Champion. Right. Her first and night on W. Yeah, AJ Raw. Lee, who's, who we probably shouldn't go without mentioning. Uh, yes, pushed her way onto the main roster. You know, made sure she had good matches, and then retired as soon as she could because yeah. she didn't she, want to deal with it. She was the one who, in a promo, because they actually made this a storyline about her saying that the Bellas weren't real wrestlers. And uh, she had some great lines like, uh, you know, you took my life's work and turned it into an accessory, talking about the mm. Divas title. And um, what was the other? They, she would talk about how, you know, they wouldn't be in the position they were if, you know, they weren't sleeping with John Cena and Daniel Bryan and stuff like that. Oh, you can't sexually transmit talent or something. Oh, right, 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 right. Whoa. Talent is not sexually, sexually transmissible. transmitted. Yeah, transmissible. Oh. Yeah, so she came out because, you know, it was the whole yeah, deepest yeah, yeah. search, all these, like, cute, like, what model type. 2015. 20, 2015. Okay, so AJ Lee came out, and AJ Lee was not a diva at all. She, like, yeah. liked video games and liked comic books and was kind of like the anti-diva. So people actually really started liking her because she was so anti-diva. Yeah, and so she sort of really started pushing it. I, I guess, yeah, we we probably would have still gotten to this point. Right. Maybe without right. her. But she was a, a huge catalyst at the time. And then she left because she's largely because she's married to CM Punk. And we'll talk about CM Punk a lot more, I think, Ooh. another time. But he, he left other. the company uh, very disgruntled. And then the she heat. followed soon. 
All, all the heat. I can't wait. So to I, yeah, I, I remember. You can come back on for that. No, if you I want. would love to come oh, back yeah. on for CM Punk. We might. Did I see him at that time? At that at that ROH match, I went. No, he was gone by then. Back in the day? He was gone. Okay, because I remember him. We saw him at at Ring of Honor events. Like, Van and I saw him at Ring of Honor events before he got signed. Um, He was always dynamite. I feel like he was popular during, like, the year that I was trying to like wrestling. He was just coming up in the WWE then. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, so uh, so Sasha and Bailey, like, as a match, um, watching it back, like, I I can't say it was, like, an as much of an all-time classic as some of the matches that are considered all-time classics, but it was the first match that the WWE put on just involving women that they let be that good. And, like, you can talk about Emma and Paige, and they were great. I was a huge Emma fan, but the spotlight just wasn't on them the way it was on Sasha and, uh, and Bailey. Uh, at this point, they were really thinking already, like, a couple of years ahead, like, we have to change what we're doing with the women. And this match was the tryout, and it, and it passed with Flying Colors. The next NXT TakeOver, they did main event. They were the last match. They did a 30-minute Iron Man match. They were going to call it the 30-minute Iron Woman match, and they talked. They did interviews where they were like, well, we asked Lita, and Lita said, well, the men have Iron Man matches. Why can't we have an Iron Man match? So they called it an Iron Man match. And that's when, if Evan, you don't know, an Iron Man match is when they have a certain amount of time they wrestle, and whoever can get the most mm. falls in that amount of time. It'll be either 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour. You know, a couple of really extreme ones will go a little longer. We, w- we might make you watch uh, Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels. I knew you were going to say that. I was yeah. like, we're at some point. Down. Sure. Um, well, I did because I, wa- I watched uh, a Shawn Michaels match for the first time ever, and uh, we'll, I'll bring this up. We'll once oh, again oh, for the we'll, Vince episode. We'll talk about that in the yeah. Vince episode. Okay. But I was I you know I I see I see the appeal. I see the grace. Oh yes. Uh, oh, yes. And stuff yes. and yes. stuff. One there. of the most graceful. For so, sure. so is right. it better? Has the concept of having a women's match that is good between talented people who you let them do the things that they're good at? Has that made its way up to the WWE at this point? I think sometimes they fall flat. Mm-hmm. I think they do, you know, when Ronda Rousey came on the scene, they were like, okay, now we have to have women main event. We're going to do this, everyone, everything about women. So they were keeping up with having great women's matches. I mean, they still do. Charlotte and Becky. Um, um, Natalia, Charlotte and Asuka at WrestleMania a couple years Charlotte ago. Charlotte and Asuka. Charlotte and Asuka at WrestleMania 34, everyone was like, that should have main evented because – we feel like sometimes you need to end on a high note on WrestleMania, and I, a lot of the pay-per-views don't end on a high note, and it ended with Brock beating Roman again, and everyone was, like, winded at that point, and it was like, but if Asuka... So Asuka came in undefeated at that point, and they were like, well, who's going to who's gonna kill her streak? Who's going to break the streak? And it's mm. like, if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Charlotte. And Charlotte wound up breaking the streak, and it was such a great match. They embraced each other after, and it was like, it was such a feel-good moment that it should have ended WrestleMania instead of having like five more matches and people being tired and not caring about Brock and Roman. Whereas I think the match that ended up, that did end up main eventing WrestleMania between Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte this year was like, the story wasn't that good. It fell a little flat this year. And and I forget forget what the term is. There's a term in like critical media studies involving women where they're set up to fail a lot of the time. Like, they're sort of overhyped to the point where you know it, it can't possibly live up to it. So then they can be like, oh, see, we gave them the chance, and then they they dropped the ball. I kind of feel like they did that because this was the longest WrestleMania, and it's like, people are going to be so tired by you get by the time you get to the main event. Like, when Kofi won, everyone had a huge pop. Everyone was still right. hyped because I was in the middle of 
of the two show. Two hours into the show. Not two hours. Five hours. Seven, seven and a half hours. hours show. Seven hours. I have to say, one of the things I still struggle with the most in trying to enjoy wrestling at all is I don't understand how fucking anybody is conscious after seven hours. Right. I don't understand Dude, how this any, Harry any... Potter thing was five hours with like a break uh, in the really? middle. I fell asleep during that. Was, is it was too two, long. two, two and a half hours. Two, two and a half hours. Oh, yeah, uh, Curse Child. Curse Child, yeah. It's two plays. That is it's two plays. It's rough. It I fell rough. asleep during one of them. Did you? But at least the second half was more exciting than the yes, first half. Yes, yes, yes. I, uh, I have fallen asleep uh, watching both of the new Fantastic Beasts movies oh, when they yeah. come on HBO. Have you watched them? Yeah. No. I cannot tell you what happens in those yeah, movies. I watched I, I, it. I like, I like them, but I think more I like the sets. And the actors, and what did happen in those I movies? I don't know. The I sets and the costumes Grindelwald are came fantastic. and tried to steal yeah. some stuff. Right, right. It was Johnny Depp. They, they kind of they kind of ended it on a bit of a cliffhanger right. in that second yeah. one. Well, well, I fell asleep during the Triple H and Batista match, but I right. purposely fell. I was like, all right, I need to take a nap during the show. Yeah. What match am I going to sleep during? And I'm like, this is the one. I had my blanket. It was cold. I snuggled up and I passed out. And <laughs> that I woke was the up. Right move. I woke up when Ric Flair came out. That was when I Excellent. woke up, and I'm like, okay, this is great. I was like, I don't have to worry about this match. Did you get to see him pull out Batista's nose ring? No, I fell asleep during that. Then <laughs> that when I watched, cool. I watched it the next day, and I fell asleep again during that match. So I still yet to see that match. I only know the nose ring because of the gif. That's it. Right, with pliers. Right. Oh wow, that's uh, was that stage magic or was that? Oh, who knows? Uh, he, there was a nose ring in his face, and then there wasn't. I, I don't know. I don't that know, that know. would be cool to know one way or the other I mean, if it yeah, was. Yeah. You know, I guess the way nose rings work is there is a space there because right? you got to put it on. Well, yeah, that's yeah. so like right. you know, right. I, I imagine it hurt, but I don't think it like you know ripped his nostril. Right. I, I liked yeah. on that on that kind of thing. Uh, what sometime last year, and Randy Orton took a screwdriver and put it in one of Jeff, Jeff Hardy's yeah. like over pierced like his gauge, gauge. the gauge thing, yeah. and then started turning it. Like, and everyone's freaking out. I'm like, he doesn't feel that. <laughs> no, but if you don't know anything about gauges, it looks awful. It looks painful. Yeah. 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 Uh, going back to when we were talking about um, have they stepped it up with yes. women. Um, Natty Hart's father died, and they used that as a storyline for her when she was feuding with, I believe, Ruby Riot. So she had her Everybody. dad's glasses. He's, um, why am I going Jim blank? Jim Neidhart. Thank you. Yeah. Jim Neidhart. Um, I went totally blank on that. I'm awful. Um, so they used that as a way to have them start a feud. And it was kind of a setback for having a feud. It's like, really? Like, you have to have her crying and him step... Like, mm. she stepped on his sunglasses and yeah. then Natty's crying in the corner. And I'm like, I feel like that was a way of being like, why are we doing... Why do women always have to be crying or being catty yeah, with each other? Right. Or like Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax. It became a bullying... Alexa Bliss was calling Nia Jax fat and bullying her. And I'm like, why does that have to be a storyline? So sometimes WWE does take a step back. Yeah, I, I'd say the legacy thing about it being her dad, like they do that with the men in some way right, too. But, but the, crying the crying and all that stuff, like, yeah. Ooh. They always cry, win or always lose. Always cry. I, I, guess, <laughs> I guess they pass the Bechtel test. Like most of their, correct me if I'm wrong, Danielle, but most of the storylines are at least about them and their problems. Right. Sometimes yeah. it's a boyfriend thing. Like, you know, I, I can't think of the when they were trying sure. to feud Lana with someone for a while. And like, sometimes uh. they have the boyfriend feud or you yelled at my boyfriend or like Miz and, and Maurice and um, John yeah. Cena and Nikki. That whole setup was kind of cheesy. Here's one pretty awful thing. Um, so there's this woman, Maria Canellis. Oh, And they yeah. hired her and her husband, Mike, and they call him Mike Canellis. 
and that makes him a heel. Like the fact that he took his wife's last name. Oh yeah, makes him like oh, a bitch. Oh, that's you know? very revealing. Now their gimmick wow, on that's... television is that Maria yells at him that she's a bigger star than he is, and he's uh, not really a man. Did you see because... all the fan pictures? Like if they do meet and greet, like yeah. he lays on the floor, and all the fans and her put their foot on him. And you know, like, and, and what's especially what is what is? I mean, that's really something. You know? <laughs> well, and especially you know what what and is Maria so knows what she's doing, but still, uh, it's it's, right. it's a little it's a little off. It's right. A little off. And this is maybe you know the the deeper irony of like masculinity or whatever. But it it is yeah. crazy to me that the um. So you know, like the, all like all of the men's matches, like all of the male wrestlers, like they're catty as fuck. Like they're constantly. So it's like maybe it's it's coded in a different way. It's like the the language is a little different, and obviously you know it's gonna they're gonna lean into into shitty stereotypes when they have like women calling each other fat or whatever. But like the men's, it's also them just like being like snotty little assholes to each other and right. petty right. and Look, all. And wrestling, but, but, that, but then that pettiness is given such weight. And framed as like, oh, it's this epic struggle, and it's like, it's no, it's still yeah. just these guys like Wait, being gossipy. It, like wrestling is largely about people not able to sort out their differences with reason, right? Right, so they have to fight. <laughs> or like when Kevin Owens is calling out Shane McMahon and being like, "You're doing this, you're," that's fine. But if Natty did that to Becky, saying she's or Charlotte, she's whining. Like they still yeah. do that to an extent. Yeah. Where it's like, no, Dolph is sticking up for what he believes in because he thinks it's his time to shine. And then if someone else does it, it's like, nope, you're just whining. Or bossy. Or, or bossy, or, yeah. And, and that's why it's it's so important with the, the Sasha and Bailey match that they're fighting for the championship. Yeah. Like, there's a reason that they're fighting. Like, maybe they don't like each other. You know, maybe, like, in the story. The, and then the story's great. You know, Bailey's the, the, the ultimate good guy, baby face. Great story. And then Sasha's like, I don't care about any of that. I'm just going to beat you. Yeah. And yeah. that's being a heel without being petty. Well, or uh, and, and personal issues can be good, but most of the ones that WWE do are not. Correct. <laughs> Correct. And so the, the personal issue is just, no, I'm the best. And if you think you're the best, come up, but you're not. What I loved about that match, too, is I loved Sasha's frustration with Bailey during yeah. that entire match and how mm -hmm. frustrated she's like, I'm a he I'm better than you. Why are you so difficult to beat? Like, I love that whole thing. And Sasha was really killing it at that point. Like, the storytelling during that match was so great. I, I feel like I've now seen a lot of matches with the two-count kick-out, two-count kick-out, and them getting increasingly frustrated right. and increasing like, what do I have to do? Because it seems like the implicit rule is that if you pin somebody and they kick out, you then have to do one other thing before you pin them again. You right. can't just like right. punch them in the face and then go and pin them again. People do sometimes <laughs> right. try to like try it again and, and get another two count. It never works. Yeah, right, it never works. Nah. Oh, like they kicked out. I have to go and rethink the strategy. And so, yeah, it really did... And usually if they're not creative enough and they go back to the same move they just did, it will often be their downfall. Yeah. yeah. It almost seemed like, you know, Bailey was, I don't know, collecting energy or like almost like hulked out at a certain point. Yeah. Like right. reached, reached the point at which an underdog, the moment where she snaps, where she can't take it anymore. She's fucking, it's been the last straw. And then now she's going to scream and has a great scream. She sounds like death metal singer yeah. when she like starts like really hammering her uh, Sasha in the corner. That particular psychology that we did explain to you when, when we watched that Hulk Hogan match. And uh, yeah, Danielle, you should you should listen to that, if for nothing, than to hear Evan, who had never seen it before, describe what he saw when Hulk started hulking up. 
Oh yeah, I was and you've never seen that. I didn't, didn't know about I it. I didn't know about no. how delightful. I didn't know any of that. I'm gonna have to watch <laughs> it because this because I kind of I knew '90s wrestling. I didn't know fucking shit about Hulk Hogan outside yeah. of like oh, the man. movies. And, like, and it's not even the full Hulk out. He just at the beginning of the match he hulks for just like an instant, and the crowd goes insane. Yeah, because yeah. they know it's so, coming. Well, he does anyway, something that, that this is bad for an audio medium, but he does like this. Oh yeah, he shakes. Yeah, yeah it's, it's great. Yeah, yeah, it's, he hulks up. That psychology is very big in American wrestling, where the the babyface will get beat on and beat on and beat on and right. beat on, and then they'll get their second wind, and that second wind either will completely overcome the heel or almost overcome the heel and then lose. It's well, it's different in other parts of the world where the psychology is different. Like in Japan, the two guys get tougher and tougher and hit each other harder and harder until like even after they do all of their big moves, often the final move is just a clothesline, and that's just the last ounce of energy someone will drop or in mexico where psychology doesn't make any sense and if somebody wants to explain lucha to me i can do lucha i've learned how to do lucha i can do elitas i can jump off the second rope i don't understand it i'm sorry to any trainers who might be hearing me i don't get it I've and it's, tried. I've been, it's not a language thing because we no, understand japanese thing. wrestling yeah no, I've been, uh, I, i'm entertained by lucha but i've gone to a lot of shows now like on the small independent level where there have been several lucha matches i'm just like you're just running in circles what are you doing so Sorry. So I've, I've been uh, reading. Um, sorry, oh I digress. Sorry, quack. Right? Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, quack. Shakara uh, is a fantastic school. It's turned out some really good luchadors. I, I'm I'm not of that style. I can body slam really big guys if you want me to, if they can post well. I um, enjoy lucha I when say, I see it. I just don't really get it. You know. <laughs> I um. You know what? I actually, that is how I feel. Yeah. About wrestling, I, so I totally maybe understand. you'd like lucha. Uh, we should I, watch some AAA sometime. Um, I was gonna say I. You can explain it to us. Yeah. So I've been I've been reading. I know Ben has already read all three of them. Um, yeah. I have only read the first so far of the three body problem novels. What is great about them, you know, lifetime of being a giant science fiction fan. These are really some of the first modern books that I've read, uh, written by somebody from a totally different place. It doesn't have the fucking the joseph campbell monomyth screenwriting books like the the structure that they teach you the with hero screenwriting journey classes thing. doesn't have the hero journey because what you're talking about with the matches there's always that point with the underdog so there's always a point where the the underdog winds up in the belly of the whale in the match it's right, always there's yeah. the point there's the it's the, there's the point where the people in the zombie movie are hiding in the sporting goods store after the zombies killed like a third of the cast and it looks like there's the point where all is lost. It's and the, the heat so, in, yeah. in wrestling. It's the heat. Definitely. And so, you know, one thing that's so great about reading the, the three body problem is that it is not it doesn't have. That's right. It's still it, it still is a story. It still progresses in a way. And the characters have arcs, but it's not the fucking the you know, it's not the specific character. I maybe the other two books read the other books. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think you're right. It doesn't have quite the same trajectory. It does have those moments. They just show up in different ways, but with, with wrestling too, when a baby face is chasing the title, it's a lot more fun. I feel, I mean, I might be speaking for myself, but I feel like the baby face chase to get the belt from the heel is a lot more entertaining and people get behind it more. And I think that's why when Bailey was, about to win or was going to win and everyone knew it and everybody was rooting for her they couldn't wait because she was finally conquering the heel and it was the hero's journey where he was finally gonna yeah you know capture the flag yeah it's rare in wrestling to have a baby face be the champion for a long period of time uh hulk hogan was an exception 
Um, the the whole like WWF slash WWWF territory was an exception around here. It would be long baby face stretches, and then the heel would have the championship for a few weeks. Yeah. Until the next baby face won it, and like, and that was more the exception than the rule. In the yeah. South, yeah. it was always the heel champion, Ric yeah. Flair, and such. Yeah. And the heel. chase, the baby face chase, is always the good one. And, and that's well, why Ric Flair won the title a dozen times, and Bruno Sammartino only won the title twice, even though. Bruno collectively was champion for about 15 years he would just yeah. beat all the bad guys when it came time for the title match to happen and there is something about American media where it's like we like Superman right right who right. can just beat everyone who wants to root for the person on top you know what I mean who goes yeah. who goes to a movie and is like man I sure hope those real estate developers take down the rec hall and that all yeah. the all the people in the village have to go somewhere else I really hope the rich kids win right. the yacht race against the plucky underdogs like nobody feels that but then you're right at the same time we love we love superman we love batman a billionaire who beats up poor people like and ronald that's reagan yes a billionaire who beats up poor people <laughs> the same thing um it, it, then, it's yeah, how we can no, have a ronald country reagan is a million times worse than batman just well, to make that clear for everybody and it's how we can have a country with donald trump as the president and yet he can still have rallies as if oh, yeah. he's still the underdog even though he's on top because well, people want him to have even more power no matter what your political beliefs are in this country you are under the impression that your side is losing yeah. right that your side is that's crumbling uh, yeah. and i 100 percent put myself i am not putting myself above anybody that is 100 percent like what i think yeah. about you know my my belief system and the people who share it is like oh like we are also under assault but everybody thinks that they're losing everybody yeah. thinks they're the underdog because you can't be the overdog because there is something in the american psychology where once you are the overdog you kind of become the villain even though the whole point of all of this the whole point of society is to try to win it right yeah no you're like, right it's it's, it's what's oxymoronic that, it's, what's that can't... dark knight quote he says you either die a hero or live long enough to become the villain yeah it's kind of like yeah, that yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly we didn't really talk about jenna moraska versus charvel did we who is that jenna might Marasca? be the worst i, I actually don't know who jenna Mar yeah. she was uh, on survivor is that what she is i knew yes. she was like a yeah she was Char on survivor and she talked to dixie carter once or something so they put her on the show charmel was the wife of uh hall T. of fame wrestler yeah. booker t she was a fine character and a very good outside of the ring personality like but a she valet yeah yeah she tried she started training it didn't work out she found something else to do in the business good jenna maraska no she, that long <laughs> the long close-up on her junk as she climbs into the ring yeah. like that oh, i was yeah. like that is that in one second is is to me the whole history of women's wrestling well, it seems her, like. like winding down onto Shana. oh yeah i was oh, like this God. is uncomfortable i'm like really what am i watching yeah, by the way if we do if we do an episode on race we should talk about the kurt angle booker t feud involving charmel uh, I don't know if you remember the specific. Yes, song. yes, of course. That all sounds. I'm not gonna. That sounds real bad. There was a period of time when Kurt Angle was trying really hard to be a heel, even though he's so good that everybody loves him. So he was saying some really, really vile stuff. Oh man! And, yeah. and it didn't work. People would still cheer him because they knew what he was trying to do, and they knew he was uh, the best wrestler on the show. And then you just got a bunch of people cheering for the guy who's saying racist stuff, and it just doesn't look good yeah, to anybody. Uh, he, he would yeah. say racist stuff. He would say others. To, he'd be like, if there's one person in history i'd like to put the ankle lock on it's jesus christ and it's like but it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah. what i say because you're still gonna cheer me yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, that's about um, all I wanted to say about Jenna Maraska versus Charmel. I think it's the worst match of all time. I would say Jenna Maraska wrestled like a blow-up doll, but I've seen a match with a blow-up doll, and it was much better. And we'll talk oh, about I've that. seen a match with a blow-up yeah, doll. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that uh, is a good match. Wasn't that great? And uh, so, yeah, that's... Well, I, I think, really, the, the actual value to take from that is, is something that we mentioned earlier, that a lot of women were discouraged in wrestling because the women that got on television were untrained models, and that, for the most part, has changed, at the very least. Uh, so that's that's a positive, and uh, I'm optimistic for the future, especially like on the indies, um, because really the the spark for the the women's revolution didn't happen in NXT. It happened on the indies, you know, women's wrestlers Sarah Amato and Sarah Del Rey started to have great matches with everybody, men and women. Awesome uh, Kong, yeah, Awesome, awesome Kong, Kong yeah. like, had great matches in Japan and across with everybody. Lufisto. Ah, Lou Fisco, I mean, fantastic, there was know? a point where TNA kind of had their knockout champions and they kind of like Agreed. really pushed women for a while, too. Gail like, Kim. Gail you know? Kim, yeah. I mean, but they did it way before WWE did it. Right. And then they ruined it. Like, and they then do they destroyed everything. it. Right. Goddamn TNA. Uh, Danielle, <laughs> do you want anything you want to add before nope. we. No, I'm just kidding. Um. Uh, I don't even know where to begin. We, uh, you can follow Heel Marks on Facebook, Heel Marks Wrestling Podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram at the Heel Marks. We're on Spreaker, SoundCloud, Google Play, iHeartRadio, iTunes, all that good stuff. Again, guys, thanks for uh, having me. Oh my God, oh, yeah. thank you for for air for fun. adding an air of legitimacy to our podcast. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah, what yeah. I'm yeah. talking about. But I made all this up, but <laughs> that's <laughs> wrestling. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> it. Boom, there we go. Yeah, I just made a woman storyline on WWE. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right. Okay, uh, well, yeah, like I said, my name is Doc Diamond Fire. Follow me on Twitter at Dr. Diamond Fire. It's Dr. Diamond Fire. Um, at me, book me. I am available for your wrestling events. Uh, once again, I do commentary primarily these days, but I do, I do wrestling, I do ring announcing, I do interviews. I've done a little bit of everything, and you want me on your show. I'm Dr. Ben Abelson. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ScribeBen. And if you happy to if you happen to be a student at Mercy College, you can enroll in my classes. Uh, well, actually, by now it's probably too late to do that. But you know, in the spring. Uh, my name is Evan Burke. You can follow me on Twitter and find me on Facebook at Evan Burke, etc. That's Evan Burke E T C. Uh, you can also find my writing at Evan Biz. Um, and then if you keep checking it out, I will raise enough funds to uh, slay the Evan Burke who has EvanBurke.com, so I don't have to have this dot .biz business anymore. Uh, you can follow us at ContestingW on Twitter. And you can, f uh, so there you can just yell at us or tell us what we got wrong or anything. We will maybe take you into account, maybe not. Uh, but the big thing is you should go to our Patreon, Patreon dot com slash contesting wrestling there are bonus episodes there's watch alongs there's eventually if we're popular enough we'll interview people and so there's all kinds of shit there's a discussion of a blog it's a oh, it's a blast it's only five bucks a month for us to basically come to your house and entertain you ourselves yeah yeah so with the magic of technology. We won't actually do that. No, we will not do that. We are. They, we will eventually have a tier in which you can do that, but... It will be, be prohibitively expensive. Yes, yeah, yes. absolutely. So, um, <laughs> thank you. This has been Contesting Wrestling. Make sure you listen to the Heel Marks podcast as well, and thank you very much. We will catch you next time. <laughs>